Welcome to Clean Break, the weekly life transitions podcast, where we share the stories and experiences of professionals that help families create a new path for themselves. Find all the answers about the many complex questions about transitioning your life through relationship separation, starting a new career, having babies, and many other life transitions. Find out more at mycleanbreak.ca. Here are your hosts, Darren and Tina. Hi again, everyone, and welcome back to Clean Break. I'm having a little trouble keeping my my composure here because mm-hmm. we've it's been like a comedy of errors getting this uh, podcast yes. going today. So thank you, everyone, for joining us today on the show. I'm Darren Jabog, uh, one of the hosts of the show, and my, joining me as always is Tina Murray. Tina? Yes. yes, it's been great. It's been fun. We've been sitting here talking, waiting to go for about 30 minutes. Right, and giving all the juice away. Right? I was like, all and, the good stories are coming out. Yeah, We're not recording them. We're having all <laughs> kinds of fun talking about things. And it's like, no, we can't talk about anything fun anymore. Yeah, stop talking. Like, let's talk about something boring. I was going to talk about something sad, but I thought, no, I don't want to cry. No, let's keep the mood up. Yeah, keep the mood positive. So, so who's yeah, on the show today? Awesome. So today we have on the show Cynthia Squire. She is a lawyer with Lister Beaupre, um, and we pass her office every time we come into the studio. So I was like, oh, Cynthia. Oh, there's Cynthia. So welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, we haven't had you on in a while. No, it's been quite a few years. I you, think. You've yeah. been on a couple times, though, haven't yeah. you? I think one early, early day. And I think it was just you and I in the studio that yes. day. Yep. And then I think since then, but maybe remotely. Um, I think it was remote. Yeah. 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 yeah, so yeah, after the pandemic started. Yeah. Yeah. So nice to have you back in person. This Thank is you. awesome. It's really nice. I, I think a lot of people are starting to do more of the in person events mm-hmm. and feeling a little more comfortable. Although, you know, there's still definitely cautions we have to take. But oh, yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, but, yeah. you know, you yeah. don't want to be licking door handles or anything. No. <laughs> I, I don't know if I recommend Even that. before COVID, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't want to talk because I might gag because okay. <laughs> I have a story about yeah never mind uh, anyway <laughs> so let's just talk a little bit about that so the face of your industry changed we talked to before we went on air like how you know before COVID you were having to deliver everything yes. or faxing it has to have wet signatures and that's all changed it has yeah so before COVID uh when if you were in a court matter that is litigated um for your family law matter we would we weren't Essentially, unless you had consent from someone, we couldn't serve anything by email. We had to fax other lawyers or even send it by courier or regular mail um, to serve other lawyers or other self-represented litigants. So, and then after we had served it, we would have to hire a process server or go to the courthouse ourselves to file the documents because they had to have original signatures. Wow. So that was so inconvenient and mm-hmm. so expensive mm-hmm. for time and, yeah. and for money for our clients. Yeah. So essentially, once the courts closed, I think it was March the 16th, because I was in court that day, so I do remember that. Um, essentially, it just changed everything. Wow. Mm. Yep. Like, did it stop for a certain period of time? Um, there were most like, appearances at that time. Um, if they weren't urgent, they were essentially adjourned to a date to be determined. So while the justice system moved into essentially this century. <laughs> so, I was going to say, it's not even a decade. Yeah. We're talking no. like a century of old oh. practices, right? Uh, oh, <clears throat> it completely, completely. So, yeah. So now we can serve everything by email. We can file by email. Um, we have portals to send things to the courthouses. Wow. Funny enough, now that COVID, um, it's definitely not over, mm-hmm. but we are starting in the family court to have uh, in-person appearances again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you said you had a couple of week 
Yes, they're but still it, they're still by Zoom right now. Um, okay. So yeah, the Ontario government on April the nineteenth will be back to in person appearances for most family court appearances. Okay. Um, some that may change with different uh, districts um, or or um, different areas of the province right mm. so question then um mm. just you know from a logistical point since everything's been zoom or you yeah. know uh virtual has that sped up some of the processes because there's more time to be able to you could do three or four back-to-backs because you're not driving here and there and yes it, right so is that a little bit of a better process in some it regards? is yeah, it's a much better process, one that I prefer myself because okay. I appear in different courts across Eastern Ontario. So mm -hmm. yesterday I was in court in Perth by Zoom and I was able to do that yes. um, just in my boardroom. So that was very convenient. Yeah. Um, and some days I've had appearances in Ottawa, one in Pembroke, and then another one, say, oh in God. Brockville. Yeah. It's so, a lot of driving. And you can do those all in yes. one day. Whereas yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Before, right. no, there's just no way that that could happen. So it does give better options um two two clients yeah. um and to also it's less expensive because a lot of expense is travel time for, right. for lawyers yeah right. um if we have to get there yeah so and another bonus that, that i found from the zooms was that the courts would actually give you a time and that's the time that you would appear at uh, so which was so convenient because you would log in to your zoom and it. it would be start i mean court is usually late um it <laughs> never starts right at 11. uh you'll be let in around 1105 okay. and before we would we would be on a docket sometimes we'd be number five sometimes uh number one sometimes number 20 yeah. and you know you would just wait until they called you so you'd right. be there all day and you might mm -hmm. not even get called we would usually get called um okay. and most of the time if you were there all day um with another lawyer we would be often negotiating okay. um out, outside that's where a lot of deals got done was outside of the courtroom oh, okay. so we were really that that has been missed quite a bit because mm -hmm. a lot you know a lot gets done um, outside of the doors okay. of, of court, yeah. yeah. So, so we'll get back to that uh, right. mid-April. So, right. So yeah. let's. I mean, I want, we don't want to dwell upon that mm -hmm. sort of. But good to hear, though, right? And and again, things are going to evolve a little bit now as we go. You go back into court, yeah. but talk to us about. I think we wanted to talk about litigation versus non-adversarial. Co collaborative. collaborative yeah yeah because we 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 do spend we've spent a lot of time on the show talking yeah. about yeah. collaborative mediation yeah. and and those styles of mm -hmm. of um divorce and separation right mm -hmm. but we haven't spent a lot of time on the litigation side so and, and so we should just ask you what it is that you do because you know if you haven't heard one of the shows you're a lawyer but you're on We're the show assuming right now. yeah yeah there's people that may not know exactly your your role as a lawyer yeah so i do uh, i am a lawyer and i do work in family law i also do child protection law so defense if, if parents are involved with the children's aid society um and i also do a collaborative practice um as well um as litigating um, so in terms of litigation, it is the absolute last resort. It is not something that you would consider at the beginning um, and you would want to. And, and the both um, the Ontario government and the federal government have put in that, you know, you need to, you know, look at alternative dispute resolution. Your lawyer has to tell right. you about alternative dispute resolution as well, right. um, because it's really that is the best 
mechanism. Um, usually we only go to court um, if there, most of the time, if there has been abuse uh, in the relationship, if there's a lack of cooperation, most of the time that's with financial disclosures. Mm-hmm. Um, and if there are mental health issues, um, such as addictions, sometimes uh, we, we do need to go into court. Okay. Um, but we do try to do everything that we can to stay out of court. Yeah. Um, it is the option of last resort. Okay. So, mm-hmm. And how long have you been a lawyer? I have been a lawyer since June 2011. So it is, I'm in my, I think that's 11th yeah. year? Yeah. Yes. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and I also articled in family law. So. What made you want to become a lawyer? Um, so essentially what had happened was I, I was in a separate career. I was a, in health, the health services. I was a lab technologist. and it's wow. <laughs> quite a difference. It is. It is a big difference. And, you know, so essentially I, you know, had some children young and got married and then separated from my spouse. So I ended up doing all of my separation and divorce as a self-represented person. So, you know, I had help from the family law information center at the Ottawa courthouse who I highly recommend um, if you need any assistance um, they can certainly guide you if okay. if you have any questions and then you know I thought hey I like this I can help and do this for a living so hmm. yeah so I so single mom yeah and go back to law and go to law school yes oh yes <laughs> and you're and you know, the funny thing is is that in the style of law that you're practicing you're not confrontational you're such no. a you're such an easygoing person, yeah. you know what I yeah, mean? So even as we were sitting here talking earlier, I'm like, she's she does litigation. Like how? Like you must like you must just be so calming in the courthouse. <laughs> I hope so. That is always my goal um, to be as calming as I possibly can, yeah. um, because usually court is such a stressful day. Yeah, um, it's not something that anybody ever expects that they're going to have to do. So I try to be as calm as I can to ensure that that my clients are calm, um, and and that we can actually get some work done mm-hmm. as well. Um, like even with opposing counsels or if their ex spouse is self-represented because yeah. um, you can't really come at someone you know for their throats right that's right. yeah <laughs> that's a good quality to have yeah. that, you know do, yeah. you, do you find do you find that um tip the the, the atypical uh, person that practices law in litigation are they a little bit more you know um I'm not going to say um, confrontational, but yeah, but I mean, they're more like, you know, because yeah. they're advocating for their client. So they're pulling out their shield and their sword and they're going in full steam. Some, some do some, some lawyers, some lawyers do feel that way. Um, most don't, um, okay. for Good. the most yeah. part, uh, most, I mean, even if we are in court for the most part, we don't, it doesn't, no, none of our matters go to trial. It, okay. It's, I mean, it's, some of them do, but it's very rare. It is, it's often that we settle. Um, like at a case conference, which is a first actual step in a, in a litigation, okay. or at a settlement conference once we have all of the uh, information that we need. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because you do hear about those long, drawn-out court battles. Where yeah. You know, Two, three and, years. Yeah, and yeah. we've talked about things like, you know, they're arguing over the, the porcelain cup because, you know, it was given as a 
wedding gift that yeah. somehow is sentimental to somebody and the other person yeah. says well it's sentimental to you so i want it yep mm-hmm. and that does happen um and i use the analogy that essentially um nobody wins in yeah. f- in, in family court everybody's going to lose somebody mm-hmm. or not somebody it's everybody's going to lose money mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and sometimes i call it uh arguing over a melting popsicle because your family only has so many resources right, right. and you're looking at it, it as family resources Resources. So if yeah. you're going to spend that on litigating, um, you know, that's fine. Or you can spend it, you know, within your within your family as a unit. Yeah. So I'm yeah. going to use that. Yeah, Melting popsicle. Great. I like it. Popsicle. Mine, mine was always <laughs> arguing over the cutlery. Oh, yes. Right? But, but I like the popsicle <laughs> analogy better. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. yeah I got to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's just it's really interesting Um to just hear sort of the different perspectives about it. And when you when you consider, like you said, child protective services, sort mm-hmm. of that side of it, how does that play a role in, in sort of the whole litigation process? Um, in regular family court, it doesn't usually come into play. Oh, uh, sometimes okay. there are, there is the involvement of a CAS service uh, okay. that, that does affect uh, a family court case. But for the most part, uh, the, the CAS wouldn't get involved um unless they they need to okay um so you can't really call them you know just because you're separating um if you have concerns or safety concerns for your children then of course you would give them a call okay um, but that would really be the only time so when you're talking about the, the child protective service yes. piece that you do that yes. is totally aside from separation yes generally speaking generally speaking yeah so that's if the cas has come to your house or if they've take they've taken your children um or if they want you to sign voluntary agreements uh, for services with them and so you look after you work yeah. on behalf of the parent yes on behalf of the parents yeah okay. yeah and it's always a good idea to call a lawyer before the CAS comes over, if you can. Okay. If you can. Sometimes they just show up at your door, and then you really should let them in. Okay. <laughs> so how did you get involved with that part of um, I, I found it an interesting part of law. Um, I also like helping parents um, and help parents with their children um, and and to, to essentially assist um, yeah, parents and their children. Mm. Yeah. What about legal aid? So yeah. I, I think that's kind of something we've never really talked no, about. Yeah. How, so, how does yeah. legal aid work when people can't afford? Right. So I do take legal aid certificates. So for both family court and for child protection court. Um, so what what legal aid basically? Uh, you would give them a call. They have a main number, um, and I believe they're open from eight to four. The best time to call them is at eight a.m. <laughs> that's when they're the least busy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And essentially, what they do is they will do they will speak with you about what your issues are. Um, if you have children, they'll ask you about your income, how much you earn, uh, and then you will have to send in some of your tax documents, like your notices of assessments, um, and then legal aid would decide whether or not you, you they would provide Qualified. you with a certificate. Okay. So, and it's always changing in terms of the amount of funds, like basically if you have a one-person family, two-person family, mm-hmm. all the way up, and then there's different uh, incomes. Okay. Um, that so are thresholds, mm-hmm. what, the, what you can qualify for. Yeah. 
And, yeah. and I know there's there's quite a few uh, law firms that, or lawyers actually yeah. that, that won't take mm-hmm. the legal aid, right? Yes. Like they, they do, but they only take a certain amount, right? Because it's, it's almost like pro bono it's, to a certain degree, right? It can be, yes. Yeah. So one difference and so is the hourly rates that mm-hmm. are charged. So essentially because legal aid is paying lawyers, so they it is a lesser rate. Right. Um, and sometimes for the legal aid uh, recipient, so they call them the client, if they are expecting like what we call an equalization payment from property, then legal aid would place a lien on that property. Seen that happen. So yeah, because then legal aid would want some of their funds back as a government Mm -hmm. organization. So Mm -hmm. those are the things that we would uh, put in as well to Mm -hmm. legal aid. Mm -hmm. Is it a complicated process for people to go through, like to get the legal aid? It's not a complicated process, but you have to be very poor to qualify. Okay. And it's very difficult to qualify um, if you have if there is abuse in your relationship. So that includes uh, physical, emotional, financial, um, verbal, any abuse. Make sure that you let legal aid know about that because um, there are specific hours for restraining orders as well mm-hmm. okay. um, that would add hours to your certificate. Um, yeah. So it'd probably be uh, is it safe to say that. A lawyer would have a hard time making a living if they all they did was legal aid. <laughs> not be- um, no, some lawyers can. Yeah, um, okay. yeah, yeah sure. it's um, it's certainly a, a lot of lawyers do. Okay. Um, I like to have a b- little bit of a mix yeah. um, of items because yeah, legal aid usually has a, some complex cases as well. Okay. Um, and a lot of it is is involves like children um, who have higher higher needs. Right. Um, you know, mm. yeah. So it's a lot. Yeah. It's very involving work. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking about uh, clients, mm-hmm. um, what would you say is your kind of ideal client? Who is it that you kind of gravitate to and kind of connect with? You know, um, that's is a very one? good question. <laughs> I don't know. Is there <laughs> that's one? a good question. Yeah. Um, that I gravitate to. I said we'd surprise you. Right? Mm-hmm. We'd throw some questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, we could come back to it too, if you if you, if you yeah. want to come back to it for sure. But. I generally like clients who are who are well prepared. Well, that was going to be my next question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, now she's taking her water. Sorry. <laughs> oh no, that's okay. Very dry. Um, yeah. So if you're prepared, um, and if you're if you've thought about what you would like your life to look mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. after your separation, mm-hmm. what you want it to look like financially or what you want it to look like with your mm-hmm. children, mm-hmm. Um, so that you've actually thought it out um, and then, you know, ask me how I can help with that as well. Right. And, and, rather, and I mean, I'm always happy to tell you my thoughts right. on what I think you can do. But that's, I, I don't know their lives Mm -hmm. so and Mm -hmm. they know their lives much better than I do so Mm -hmm. I I like it if they've come with uh, a plan like that but I'm always happy to make out a plan especially if you know they have no idea like Mm -hmm. they don't even know where to begin which is a lot Mm -hmm. of the time so Mm -hmm. um so that was sort of one of our questions what should people be prepared for before yeah. they come in to see you, like what should yeah. they come? Process, the process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, really, the you would have to have thought of: Do I really, really want to separate? Mm-hmm. That would be the first question um, that you would need to make. Or am I coming to ask just some questions because I've thought about it and that might be something in the future? Yeah. Um, and it's a good idea that if you're thinking about it, that you do speak to a lawyer so that you can think about. Um, 
what your life, like I said, would look mm -hmm. like after and what your, you know, obligations might be uh, to your spouse, to your children, yeah. um, so that you can think about that um, mm -hmm. in advance. Yeah. Yeah. Because essentially, if you do have children, you will be spending less time with them. Right. So you have to emotionally prepare yourself for that. Yeah. So, and that can be really hard. Yeah, I think. I, I think it also helps take some of the fear because I know a lot of hmm. cli many clients don't know what they don't know. Uh, absolutely. Um, and, yeah. and when we don't, when people in general don't know what they don't know, they always go to the worst and yes. they always yeah. project something that's going to be absolutely mm -hmm. devastating. And sometimes know? in your mind that yeah. those <laughs> games, those scenarios you play out are, mm -hmm. like you say, it's it's the worst and, mm -hmm. and you can't get beyond that, right? Yeah. So Yeah. And a lot of the times you're still living with your spouse. I was going to say that. You, yeah. you, yeah. you stay in the situation longer yeah. because yeah. you feel it. There's no way out. Yeah. yeah. And, and then, you know, sometimes if you're still living with your spouse, you know, there's going to be things shooting out of your mouth that you really mm -hmm. don't mean. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that that always is triggering for you. Like, yeah, I'm not going to pay you any support. But it's like, no. Yeah, actually, yes, you will. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know that I used to joke about that, you know, years ago, even we have, we have three boys. And I used to joke with my husband because I'd see separation agreements and I'd go, man, you have to pay me a lot of money. Oh. You just have to find a better job <laughs> you know before dinner exactly as the children are fighting in the yeah. other room yeah you know? yeah. yeah but it's, it's true right like yeah you know it's it's it, it's such a complicated even the nicest separation is still complicated there's yes. still yeah you know, like there's still, and you hear about amicable yeah. and they're, they're wonderful, you know, but it's just, it's so messy, phys not physically, but emotionally, mentally, financially, yeah. it's just, it's gotta be emotional. It's not, do you never, do you ever feel that emotion on yourself? Like, are there ever cases that you, are you able to de detach yourself and yeah. uh, are there cases that you can't? Sometimes um, it can be really difficult. Uh, you know, some decisions come and it's difficult decisions um, and it's highly, highly emotional. Mm -hmm. So really you have to have good self-care yeah. if you're going to work in the field of family law. Right. So I don't have my email on my phone, like my work email. So basically if I'm sitting at a desk, I can check my email. Otherwise I don't. Good for, for you. you. <laughs> <laughs> So. <laughs> in our field, it tends to be a little yeah, different. Sometimes yeah. we get emails on Sundays, right? And and to be honest with you, I have my emails on here, but I tend not to check them on the right. weekend. Mm. I have I've tried to practice great restraint because you do have to have you good self care. It's it's yeah. you're you can't be on twenty four seven. Yeah, I think I think the I think the burnout rate in any field, including law, would be mm -hmm. much higher if you try to take it on all the time. Yeah. You got to have your, you have to have your boundaries. Mm -hmm. So right? what other yeah. self-care do you do? Um, dogs and cats. Yeah, or two dogs. cats, one cat, one dog. One cat, one dog. Yeah. yeah dog, yeah, yeah. grandbaby. <laughs> no, no grandbabies. <laughs> no grandbabies, but the dog is technically my grand dog. That's what I mean. Dog, grand dog. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I like I like hobbies too to focus on. Yeah. So I play the bagpipes and I. No wow. way. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're little. How much energy? How you gonna have a big lungs to play the bagpipes? Oh yes. I need video. We need video. Yeah, we we're gonna we're gonna throw that, that on. We're gonna put it on. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, yeah. So it's great fun. Right. Yeah. It's totally not what I would have thought. No. You play the bagpipes. Saxophone maybe. I 
Whoa, there we go. I think we got that on camera <laughs> yeah, too. Tartan, Tartan, so. uh, what are they called? Uh, not, um, Doc, Doc Martens. Yes. Doc yeah. Martens. Yeah, okay. Awesome. So you play the bagpipes. Mm -hmm. How long have you played the bagpipes? Um, I played the bagpipes probably uh, since I was about 10. Get out. Yeah. That's kind of cool, eh? That is so that cool. Is, that is a Little known fact. <laughs> <laughs> Telling you we're going to get video. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Really? Yeah. And what other things? Um, hmm. Bagpipes probably take up your time. Any, yeah, mu yes. any muscle cars in the background? Yeah, no, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, no, I keep my cars as cheap as possible. <laughs> <laughs> They're such a waste of money. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Especially with gas prices right now. Everything's kind of crazy. Boys and yes. their toys, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We pull up in a little... I was just... It's a micro car. It's a micro car. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so... You know. Yeah. I'm micro, he's not. Yeah. Not that you're big, but he's folded himself into his car, and I almost felt like I folded myself into your car this yeah, it's, morning. It's a two-seater, so okay. it was yeah one of those things where you kind of realize how old you are because you have to bend down so low that you're almost yeah. on the ground to roll into the car. So anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we digress. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm going back to the topic, but I, there's some but questions. I know. I love squirrel. bagpipes. I know. Squirrel. Let's go okay. squirreling back because okay, there ahead. are questions. We're going to bring some value here, right? It's all valuable. It's all. It's all valuable. I. I, I think. I think the bagpipes yeah, are very valuable. Yeah, it's totally valuable. Because like you. You. You know, in Scotland and yeah. Ireland is Ireland too, right? Or is it just Scotland? No, um, so there are. Ireland has their own uh, pipes as well. So oh. with the Scottish bagpipes, we usually blow into them. So the Irish pipes, they have a different bellow, so you have it on both sides. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I didn't even know do that. Do you wash your bag? No, we don't need to do that anymore. Because is... I watched a show. It was yeah. like a 911 or something. Yeah. Uh, and it was about this guy was passing out. And they cut open his bagpipe, and it was all moldy. Oh, oh my God! Yes, okay. yes. Stop. Stop. Well, yeah. he was inhaling it. No, so. yeah, yeah. We used to have sheepskin bagpipes, so yes, it could be a problem then. But now they're they're you know technology as as with the court, technology has come to bagpiping. Okay. Well, so. so what do they do? Do they, they take the bagpipe bag, and because it's sheepskin, so they just turn it in haggis? Ah, <laughs> that's I my joke. Yeah. Okay. Let's go. Okay, I'm going back to the value here. Hang on. So I got a question for you, yeah. Cynthia, and you've always been great about answering these questions. Many burning questions for people are that they don't know about. They say, say number one, um, child support. How's it determined? Let's start with that one. Sure. Yeah. So the the federal government, um, as well as each province, has guidelines. Um, if you're married, we go on the federal guidelines, but they're about they're the same. So we look at your income or the payor's income. Um, if you have a shared parenting, then you're both payors, um, and then we essentially look at it with the table with how many children you have, and that's how much child support that you would pay. And it, and is that. Is it, does it matter how much time the children spend with each parent? It does. So, okay. yeah, it does. So, if you spend, um, so usually the the amount of time is 40%. That's when we start looking at um, maybe having a shared scenario where each parent would pay uh, support to, to the other. So, if you have one parent whose income is, say, $100,000, one parent whose income is $50,000, we would look at the incomes, and usually the higher income parent would pay some support mm -hmm. um, to the lower income parent, even if there's shared parenting mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. And now typically child support goes until the child is on their own? Um, there's different uh, There's different factors. So if... 
Um, usually the cutoff is, is 18 unless the children aren't able to what we call withdraw from parental control, like if they're in post-secondary education. A lot of the times we have 18-year-olds now who are still in high school. Um, so, and we usually look at a first degree. Sometimes now it's now increasing depending on the incomes of the parents where sometimes master's degree wow. might be considered, which hasn't necessarily been considered before. Wow. That's like 26 it age. It is, or which, a, you know, 26. I don't know. Like, I had Get children. cord off me. I know. Yeah. So, I mean, I had children by the time I was 25 myself. So, yeah. you know, it's um, it's changed quite a lot. Yeah. Um, even, you know, 20 years ago in that way. So, yeah. And if you have, um, even if you have, like, a, if you have, your child has a disability and you have to um, yes. continue to support them, yeah. you know, you would want to apply for some disability for for your, for your adult child, um, and then that's what would be looked at as well. In family court, yeah. like from the, the child support mm -hmm. perspective. Yeah. yeah. I mm -hmm. always heard that, like, even if you're 50-50, yes. right? So yep. to your point, yep. you know, 50-50, if one spouse makes more, yep. they're going to pay child support to yep. the other. Yeah, most likely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that would be the case. A lot of people don't case. think that, right? A that's lot of right. people believe that, well, I have the kid 50% and I have the kids 50%. Mm -hmm. yep. There should be no child support. Well, that's not the way it works. That's not usually the way that yeah. it works. And sometimes, um, because you may have a shared parenting situation, <clears throat> pardon me, um, what may happen is that you know, we need to keep the lower income spouse at an income that, you know, they can support the children at the similar lifestyle in between both houses. So mm -hmm. if there's going to be a lower amount of child support paid to a lower income spouse, there might be spousal support paid. Got it. Mm -hmm. Right. So let's yeah. move right into yeah. spousal support. Yeah. See, I was going there. Yeah, I know you were. Yes. Yeah. So let's talk about that one because, mm -hmm. again, that is negotiated. It's not mandated, right? It's we, There are advisory guidelines that we okay. do use. So it yeah. depends on the length of marriage, how like how long you have been married. Um, mm -hmm. And if one spouse, not always mom, but sometimes dad as well, if that spouse has made some sacrifices for the sake of the family. Mm -hmm. So that would be if uh, they stayed at home or worked part-time so that they could pick up the children from school and drop them off and say worked 11 to 3. Um, so that's, that's what we look at when we're looking at spousal support. Mm -hmm. um, the key one is definitely going to be the length of the marriage and how um, one parent may have or one spouse may have taken on more of a role for the family. Mm -hmm. Because alimony isn't necessarily payable only when there's children, right? That's right. So how does that factor in? So, you, you know, let's yeah. say children are, at, are adults now and, and no longer under the care of either parent. Yep. Um, and a divorce happens. Yeah. So there's two ways that we look at spousal support. So we look at it if it's if it is a need. Like if one spouse again earns a hundred thousand, the other one earns fifty thousand, then we would consider some some support being paid based on need. Because when you separate, your income is going, your expenses are going to go up, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because you're going to have to have two rent, homes. two homes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So that's what we're looking at. So that even during a short period of time because even the recipient has to become somewhat self-sufficient. Right. So during a short period of time, what can we do to help get the recipient more self-sufficient? Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. If they've never worked, if the recipient has never worked and the children are now adults, it's going to take a long time. So right. a lot of factors mm -hmm. would be, you know, yeah. in some regards, it would de be dependent on the fact that, you know, perhaps one spouse did stay home for 20 years or yes. 20 plus years to take care of the family to allow the other spouse that's but right now the children are adults yeah but the parent never 
the the spouse never went back to work because yeah they're 25 years of not working that's right and that's what sure. we, yeah, no, sorry. That's what we call compensatory yeah. support. Yeah. So okay. even yeah. when the children are adults, we still look because that spouse hasn't had an opportunity to amass savings. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So after there's been the equalization, if there's a pension, so the recipient would get some parts of some some equalization from the marriage, and we look at the spousal support and and how long that would mm-hmm. be. So and if it has been a very long marriage over 20 years or even. Is that the tipping point? Fifteen to twenty years. It is really that... does depend because there's different different rules that we have. But generally, if there is a lower income, um, we're going to be looking at a ways to bridge over into self sufficiency for spousal support. Right, right. Because you know we do want you know everybody to be successful, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and to move forward. And the courts also have a belief that everyone should be self sufficient, right? So I yeah. know sometimes some people believe well. Why should I have to keep paying for so long? Yeah. This person should take care of themselves. Yeah. Right. And I believe, like, I don't know, maybe 20, 30 years ago, you can speak to this. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was less so then that they believed that they felt that one person should just t- keep taking care of somebody for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. However, is it better now that like, do you believe that the courts are more saying, you know, uh, you don't really, it, just because you were married doesn't mean one person has, is obligated to always take care of that person. Somebody, if they can take care of themselves, they should try to. Yeah. I think. I think that that's that's where we, we look. It really does depend. Even if you separate in your fifty, in your fifties, the court is going to look for some self sufficiency, mm-hmm. yeah. and it's really going to depend. Like if you haven't worked ever, we're not going. Like the court wouldn't look at you earning, you know, thirty thousand dollars. How are you going to earn that mm-hmm. if you've never worked? It would most likely be minimum wage or possibly even retraining, mm-hmm. um, like college programs or or whatever. That th- those are the things that, you know, I would want to look at if my client as a recipient as well is what can you do what would you like to do after Mm -hmm. um, and how can you move that forward because it is essentially restarting your life Mm -hmm. after a separation Mm -hmm. I had a client they had seven kids Mm. and she stayed home Mm -hmm. right and he left and so she ended up having to figure out what to do and and he fought her tooth and nail for stuff for the house and stuff like that but in the end she retrained herself and she's become quite adept at you know, taking care of herself. And I was, you know, really quite proud of that. But that's like in your 50s, that would be huge. It's hard. You know, and I think she still had some young children at home when when the separation happened. And, you know. So that comes to the fair point. So a lot of people, many times I hear people saying, well, that's not fair. Yes. Um, So here's my question. (laughs) Yes. This isn't always fair, dear. Oh, I know. I know. Trust me. I feel like I'm telling my 17-year-old, like, this isn't always fair. Okay, listen, Mom. You are. So now I guess part of your job is Mm -hmm. educating people on, you know, fair and what is equal fair, whatever Mm -hmm. the conversation is, they see what they want and then they, what they don't want to do. Right. Um, some people think that maybe they can just avoid it by just, I won't work. Because if I have to pay, <laughs> why? I'll quit my job. Right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk Heard about that, that quickly because yes. that's a yeah. big one. Yeah. yeah. So, yes, that does happen. And I I cannot tell you the number of stories where mm. I have had payors just quit their jobs mm. because, you know, they don't want to pay support. Um, but most of the time what we do is we, we give an income to that payor. So what we do is what we call impute their income to around an income that they could earn. Um, because they are underemployed or not employed. 
Because if you were earning $150,000 as an engineer during your marriage and then you quit and go work at McDonald's, not that working at McDonald's <laughs> no, is bad. Yeah. I've worked at McDonald's. Drive for yeah. Uber. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. You know, yeah, and, and nothing so. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But when you have the capacity mm -hmm. to earn $150,000. Yeah. You, you do have to make, you know, that. You, you just can't do that. That's we right. will impute the income, but that goes for the recipients too. If they are also saying, I can't work, I can't do this, then there needs we need to impute possibly an income as well. Okay. What happens if they leave the province? I've heard that one too. Well, I'll just, I'm just going to leave Ontario. I'll just go to Quebec. Yes. Well, fortunately, we do have maintenance enforcement programs in each province. In Ontario, it's called the Family Responsibility Office, um, which can be very frustrating for everybody mm -hmm. because we expect so much out of the Family Responsibility Office mm -hmm. and they have so, so many uh, support orders to enforce. But if you do have a support order to enforce, they would certainly um, enforce it even in another province. Okay. okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. Good. That's yeah. excellent. Yeah. Okay. So um, what do you think? Should we well, wrap I it up? Because I have no idea what time we started. <laughs> well, we started. <laughs> I really have no idea. We're, we're at about 45 minutes, All right. Perfect. That's, that, <laughs> no, give or take. Give or take. No, so. we lo I think there's so much more we could keep talking about. So Yeah, I got a bunch really of questions, but I you know, know what? I want to keep I want to keep come, people coming back. Yeah, I love, I love, it's just every time we talk, I learn something new about you and I'm the tartan boots just right way. there, man. You, you've gone up a couple notches in my in my book right now. No, but it's just, and I just, I love your calmness. Like Darren and I are not calm as you will tell. I'm not calm. I'm very calm. Okay. So, uh, but you know, it's just you, but you, you know, over the years, you like for me personally, you've, I feel like you've come out of your shell and maybe you've never, maybe you just got to know us a bit better. Yeah, but, we haven't really sat down to do this. You know, yeah, and, and, and you're, and you're just more comfortable here. Yeah. And it's more, uh, it's just, and so every time we learn something new about you and there's definitely value. I think like Darren said, like we want to have some meat and potatoes and I think we've got some and I think there's yeah. lots more to pull from you. Oh, oh yeah. So, yeah. 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 So thank you so much for coming on the show today. How do we get in touch with you? Um, you can reach me at Lister Beaupre. Yeah, Cynthia at listerlawyers.com. Um, and what's my phone number? 613-234-2500. Yeah, and you're on LinkedIn too. I saw you yes. on LinkedIn. So that's and it. on the Clean Break website. MyCleanBreak.ca. My okay. yep. I think you have yep. a profile there. Excellent. Yeah. So that's good. So thank yeah. you. You'll come back. I sure will. Awesome. Thanks so much. Happy to be here. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, everyone. Well, thanks again for joining us today. Uh, find out more of the about more of the great professionals uh, in mycleanbreak.ca. My All the awesome people who help you transition through your life, including Cynthia and Tina and myself. Absolutely. So if you have some questions, go check out that website and uh, uh, subscribe to our, our podcast. So you can hear about more other people on our show. Until next time, take care of yourselves, take care of the people around you, and we will see you on the other side of the mic. You've been listening to Clean Break, our weekly podcast on life transitions. You can find more topics like today's and other great advice from life transition professionals at mycleanbreak.ca, where we upload audio, video, and blog content every week. mycleanbreak.ca has clear and simple advice from trusted local professionals to help you get to the other side of any transition.